knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Foul Front Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit and educate new hunters while entertaining the rest of you. Without new hunters and the mentorship of those more seasoned, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So get the word out, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because you're on the foul front. All right, welcome to this week's episode where we're going to be covering all things about concealment, uh, blinds, and camouflage. And today, I've got Tegan to my right and Derek to my left. You guys want to say hi? What's up? How's it going? All right. So, I think it's most important that we start off with the different types of uh, types of blinds. Um, I know, uh, you know, everybody knows that we're going to talk about, you know, the, the rich guy blinds, the, the fixed blinds. They're already in the ground or they're already, you know, pre-built and you built those things during the summer uh, along your, your private things. But um, I think we're going to gear this a little bit more towards uh, public land. So... Sounds good. Taking you want to start us off? Uh, yeah. I guess the first thing I would think about is uh, where are you hunting and what's the vegetation look like? Uh, are you going to be standing in water? Are you going to be on a bank, whether that be a river or a marsh, uh, maybe a pond, maybe standing timber? Uh, we don't really have that in Kansas, but I know, you know, we're trying to reach out to people all over the country. So, uh, you know, knowing what you're going to be hunting around. Do you need to be standing behind a tree? Um, are you going to be standing in cattails and flooded water? Uh, right. What, yeah, I mean, like, you're not going to be utilizing a layout blind in the marsh. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Unless you can afford a nice mow marsh. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, exactly. there's all sorts of options, but, uh, yeah. All right. So I think when it comes to portable, like, public land blinds, I think there's two things Besides just utilizing your camouflage, your clothing, and then tucking into some weeds or behind some trees, I think there's two things uh, that really pop out. And one is the super new, um, not super new, um, but uh, it's all the talk right now is those A-frames. You got A-frames and you got layouts. Um, And uh, have any of you hunted out of A-frames? I have not. I like to build A-frames. 
yeah, you know, homemade. Yeah. Type, like it's basically an A-frame, but right now I can't really afford the old tangle-free panel blinder, the AVNX. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got the same thing. It's like six stakes and then two segments of um, uh, snow fence. Yeah, that we just zip tie, zip strip um, vegetation on, and then roll it up. And, but uh, about you, Derek. Uh, we make a lot of A-frames, and then we've used the layout blind in a couple situations, but I think we had, we had like eight people, sometimes five, so we had enough people that building a blind wasn't going to be practical. Right, right, right. So when it comes to the A-frames, and if you're not familiar with an A-frame, it, I mean, take the, the vocab letter there was it is, it's a, it's a triangle that you, you know, uh, pop out of, and, um. Like I said, we I think I built mine for about forty bucks um, is what it cost me. Um, but I hunt more times than often. Um, I hunt out of layout blinds. I don't know. What about? Do you guys have layout blinds? Uh, I actually just sold mine this past year. Oh. I wasn't. I felt like I wasn't hunting out of it enough. Um, and plus, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this. But budget friendly blinds, I'm sure, is a big deal, especially for all the new listeners. Um, you know, sometimes you just can't afford a layout blind, but it's really easy to make. Like you said, you made yours for 40 bucks. Um, shoot, this year, Derek and I went on a goose hunt where we didn't even take anything with us. We grabbed logs, we, you know, made a small frame, and then we just started throwing brush in. And that's really good stuff for public hunting. You know, you yeah. utilize what's there already. I think that is the, that's the, probably the uh, uh, most important blind for you to know if you're just starting out is you get out there. Find some broken logs, start stacking them up against the banks and tying into the natural vegetation. And if you don't have, uh, I think the, the one of the biggest mistakes people make is not paying attention to overhead cover. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter if the ducks that are flying in super low can see my boots. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than often, you know, you get... One or two passes on on some birds, especially in not in big water situations where they're coming over top of you. And if you don't have that overhead cover, you stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. I'm sure I annoy some people I hunt with. One of the things I always say throughout all my hunts, too, even if you do have a little bit of overhead cover, I'm huge in keeping your face down. Even if it is painted, um, when there's duck circling, you're looking down. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That is a critical um, thing. Is is not I, everybody wants to look up. There's probably yeah. only there's probably only one dude in the blind that needs to take a peek up, um, and that's the dude calling the birds, working them in, like or calling the shots, I should say. So, um, yeah, and then the A frames, those can be a little difficult with the overhead cover. Um, so I guess you want to talk about how like we build. Okay, so when you get an A frame or you get a layout blind. Um, they show up and they're camouflaged. Are we good to go? No, <laughs> not even close. Definitely not. <laughs> I, it's so funny to me that they even come that way. Um, but uh, I know one thing that me and my crew we always do is we go find a ditch and we cut out all the weeds around there um, because it's a, and then we zip strip them together into little bundles and then we can just tuck those in wherever we want and then we always kind of. Um, ratchet strap them and we take them wherever we go uh, instead of having to spend 45 minutes to an hour both cutting and then stuffing your um, stuffing them in your blinds you can just have them right there ready to go 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, preparing beforehand. The first thing I, I've owned two layout blinds. Like I said, I don't own one anymore. But the first two that I did have, the very first thing I did was I laid them outside in the yard for a full day and let the sun beat on them because when you get those things brand around the box, they got a glare. I mean, they're oh, shiny. Yeah. You know, let the sun beat on, take away some of that glare, dull them down. And then the next thing I do is I always mud them. Yeah. So I, when I got my first layout blind, it was in El Paso, Texas. And so it's mostly sand out there. (laughs) So you can't really mud them in. So what I found was, is I took that um, flat brown spray paint. Oh, yeah. And I just dusted it. And that took the shine right off of it. And then I didn't have to deal with mud anymore either. Yeah. But back onto the topic of overhead cover. So we would cut some of those... Um, strips, and I actually got this, I think, from, like, Fred Zink, because they hunt out of those A-frames quite mm-hmm. a bit, and uh, I'd cut some really long ones, and those went up top, and, you know, yeah, it's annoying to have grass hitting you in the face when it, when it, when you come up, but it makes the, yeah, I think it makes the world a difference having that overhead cover. For sure. So, eh, not that it matters, because I'm constantly peeking my head out, and <laughs> probably going to be irritating Tegan this season, so... No, it's hard not to watch the birds. Everyone yeah. wants to do it. Okay, so layout blinds. Let's let's stick specifically to layout blinds for just a little bit. I think there's um, well, first and foremost, if you can't afford one, because I think the cheapest ones I see run about like a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We there's some you can find for about eighty. They're guidesmen, but after having one, breaking it on the first hunt, having another one, breaking it on its <laughs> first hunt, I have decided that. If you're going to do it, you don't have to spend $300 for a layout blind, but take the next step up from the bare bottom. Right. Now, I'll say this. So, uh, we brought on a, last season, we, we brought on a new hunter. He it kind of popped up last minute, and I had already um, basically given my other, because uh, I have two layout blinds, and I would already, like, yeah, yeah, you can use this layout blind on our hunt. And then this other guy decided, you know, they, they wanted to bring him on. So, man, well, I don't know. We're hunting layouts uh, along this bank, so I don't, you know, I don't know what we're gonna do. We can maybe we can just cover him up with something. Well, so then I got to feeling bad, and I said, "Nah, man, you can come. I'll figure something out." And so, well, I had some um, some of that burlap, and I just zip stripped. I basically made a sleeping bag, like a burlap sleeping bag, and then um, we like zip stripped a bunch of grass onto it. And so he was laying there, and it was covering him, and he was very low profile, but it's super uncomfortable. Um, because you can't really move. And so I think that when you're looking at a, a blind, a layout blind, it's my preference that when I close everything, I don't like anything touching the side of me. I like to have like the coffin like mm-hmm. kind of um, feeling so that I can like literally move around a little bit without moving the whole blind. Um, some people, it doesn't bother them at all. But um, that's just the way I am. And then when it starts raining and snowing, you're a little bit more protected. Well, no, I think that's a big deal. I think comfortability is a huge factor uh, when you're talking about blinds because, obviously, the longer you can be out there, the longer you can hunt, the better chance of shooting birds. Um, you know, I think that's – I know we're sticking to layouts, but I think that's one of the big draws to the A-frame blinds right now, especially for maybe older people or people with injuries or disabilities. You know, they can sit on a bucket, sit in a lawn chair. You know, they're comfortable. They're sitting upright, and sometimes that's easier, too, to take shots, you know, Um the first layout blind I ever bought, like Derek was saying, was also, it was a cheap, like, $80 blind, and that thing was so uncomfortable. And, you know, going back to what you were saying, being able to move, I mean, that is a big deal because when you got birds, like, let's say you're in a field and you've been shooting ducks, but here come a group of geese, 
and you're trying to scramble around, grab your goose call, you know, or maybe you're just trying to take a sip of coffee or something, and you're banging things around, you're knocking things over, you can't find what you're looking for. It's just hectic, and it causes problems. One thing I've found out that is I find comfortable about layout blinds is they work really well, some of them do, at trapping your heat in, at keeping your heat. When it's really cold out there, and I'll say brushing in, wait until 2, 3 in the morning to brush your layout blind in wet grass, that's how you determine. You find out how bad you really want to be killing ducks that day. <laughs> your hands get frozen, but when you crawl into that layout blind, you close that coffin, and it just keeps all your heat in there, and they lock you in, and... I find myself a lot of times just shedding layers because all my body heat's being trapped in there with me, and it's making for a much more comfortable hunt, and I'm staying a lot warmer, and it's allowing me to focus on surroundings and possibly spotting ducks on the horizon before they're right on top of you dropping in. Right, right. And uh, one thing, yeah, people, when when they're concealing their... Um I guess we can talk about how to employ the layout blinds or like what situations they're probably most useful for. But I find when people brush in their layout blinds, they always leave their little face hole open and it makes no sense to me. Like, yes, you can't see as well, but, and everybody wants to be able to see the birds working. Mm -hmm. That's one of the true magical parts about, um, duck hunting, but it's not always possible for everybody. And it's especially difficult in layout blinds. So, for sure. And like, you know, it is. It's fun to watch the birds work. <clears throat> but the way I see it is, if your face is covered up and you can't see them the whole time, they can't see you. But about the time you can see them, it's shooting time. And that's what you want. You know, the minute you can see them through the grass, they're probably in the hole back flapping and it's time to take that shot. Right, right. And just a, a, a little note for comfort. I always find it is much more comfortable to have your butt be below your head so if you're on some sort of incline or find the little divot in the in the um in the crown there all right so i think um when it's best to use a layout blind is in like super low cut stubble um if, if it's not natural to have uh, tough to grass poking out in a field um and then i would say along beach like along the beach like on on big banks, mm -hmm. you know, when there's not a lot, like when it, when it, like a rocky beach, it's perfect, you know. Yeah. You, you know, throw some rocks around there and like make sure you hit it with some gray spray paint and it tucks right in. So, um, what other situations would you guys say layout wines are best for? I like using them on like group hunts when you have a, multiple people and you have quite a bit. You can use those a frame, but you can hunt hunt comfortably with three people maybe four but if you have a dog that's going to throw that off let's say you have five six people you can put your layout blinds in a nice little line and you can just make it look like one big clump of grass stubble whatever you're hunting and you can if you take the time you can blend all that in and it's going to be almost a safer scenario than having two separate blinds that are a little bit away from each other trying to shoot across that way you can define your lanes and you can make your hide all at once while doing your individual blinds bringing them together and making it look like a big grass pile right right i think i think that's important too like we usually just butt our um layout blinds right up next to each other and people think that's actually they think that's more dangerous it's actually from a shooter standpoint and from like a tactical scenario standpoint that is actually the preferred method and technique because there's no way you can swing your gun far enough to hurt your boy or you know at, at most, maybe you're banging barrel tips, but if you're banging barrel tips, you probably have different problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. Um, especially field hunting, uh, 
you know, hunting down in corn, we always, the layout blinds are touching. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're butted up next to each other. And sometimes, like Derek was saying, that almost looks better than when you spread them out and you have these random clumps of grass or corn instead of one big pile. Right, right, yep. Um, okay, does that beat up the layout blinds? Um, if you want one more little comfort tip I learned, because I like to be comfortable in the blind, I have taken a blanket out with me and put it not only under my back so I don't have to sit there and suspend my back, but when it, if it does get a little cold and there's not much happening, you can just grab it and kind of warm yourself up with it a little bit. And those layout blinds, they don't look like you're going to have that much room, but depending on the size, you have a little more room than you think. And sometimes it's nice to just throw your blind bag or even that blanket right under, and that's what you're essentially laying on and keeping yourself um, at a comfortable inclined angle. One more thing about layout blinds that I think people paint it as a pro, but um, I think that they're full of it. Okay, there are some layout blinds that tuck up into like a backpack, and they're, it's, they're, that's super convenient. You know what I mean? But most layout blinds, that is not the case. Uh, especially the, your lower end ones. Those things are flopping around. You're like carrying a dang, um, you know, plywood board. Like, and you don't want to hunk one of those in for 400 yards. I mean, some of them are nice, but it sounds like there's a story here. Tegan, you want to tell them? The wee hop on? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and Derek experienced that this year. We had a little walk-in hunting area pond that it ended up being a bust. Unfortunately, there was... Not many birds there. We didn't really have a place scouted, but we had a day free to hunt. It's just one of those things you kind of got to take a gamble. And this pond notoriously was good uh, in previous hunts. So I just figured, you know, maybe it's holding birds again. We have nothing else to do. Well, we decided we were going to haul the mother load. And, you know, we haul ponds in Kansas. You can't drive or take any kind of motorized vehicles. And I'm like, oh, you know, our layout blinds, they have straps on them. Yeah, you think that's convenient until you got a layout blind and then a bag of decoys on (laughs) your back and your blind bag and your gun you're trying to make one trip because you know obviously we're men we don't want to make two trips and it was like groceries a pain (laughs) yeah if you're not going to use that brush again when you're carrying your layout back to your truck trailer whatever you have unless you're going to use it again take that brush out because that brush you fit one bundle up Oh, this is light. Then you put the other 50 bundles up. You pick it up. How did this just gain 20 pounds on me? Yep. Ounces make pounds, man. So um, one of the you know the other things, too, and you just hit it. If you can get away with it, and I mostly can't because I like to keep my blinds in the garage. Um, but uh, I like to keep a little collection going of, of brush. For sure. Um, but it does make the garage messy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so um, just, you know, that that is what it is. You can leave it out in the boat or you can leave it out in a trailer or something or on the side of your, you know, house without it being, you know, too degradating to the materials of the, the blind, then that's fine. But it's always a heck of a lot easier to just brush a little bit instead of having to do the whole thing. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I don't like to use that raffia grass or anything like the composite stuff. I like using natural the stuff. The real stuff, yeah. Yeah. So, Okay. Let's see. I think that beats up uh, layout blinds. Let's talk about those A-frames a little bit. Um, so, Tegan, you said you have a homemade one? Yeah, usually I just make them the morning of. Um, I have made a couple that I could haul around. I made one out of PVC, and it eventually cracked on me. Uh, the best one I've ever made was rebar, and I just welded it together, uh, six pieces of rebar, so I made a back side and a front side, and basically just 
two pieces of rebar going up, and then you have a rail going across, mm-hmm. and it's super simple. You know, just yeah. two 90-degree corners, and then all it does is it sets up a frame. So obviously that rebar isn't going to hide you, but it was really durable. I could take out a rubber mallet, and I could pound it into the ground. Yep. So it wasn't moving in the wind. I wasn't going to knock it over. And then from there, like I said, natural vegetation. I'm leaning up logs or tree branches um, or grass. Um, I guess this is a little off topic, but uh, when I'm doing that, I always in my blind bag I have a pair of shears, uh, mm-hmm. maybe a handsaw, you know, so you can cut down that natural vegetation yep. um, wherever you're at, and you can lean it up. Like I said, you can you can build those frames super cheap. You yeah. can get that stuff. Yeah. Now I think um, it's an important side note to talk about. Um, a lot of regulations for states um, cover, you know, manipulating natural cover and grass and stuff like that. Um, I actually, you know, in um, you know, studying up for this um, podcast, I reached out to um, the one of the local agencies and asked them about it. And you know, I read them off the, the segment of the, the regulations and I said, does that not apply? I mean, that uh, that seems like it applies to me when I'm cutting down a, a small sapling or a tree to um, make a, a blind. And he's, you know, well, it's really more for people harvesting firewood and, uh, you know, this and that. But um, I know that um, along the Rio Grande, we cut a pretty dang good chunk of grass out once um, so that one, we could see the river. And then we used it all to, you know, put a blind. And they weren't too happy with us. Um, they didn't give us a ticket or nothing, but they told us, hey, no, no, <laughs> don't do that anymore. And so I think it's uh, important to say if you're on natural or if, excuse me, if you're on public grounds, try to use the deadfall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, you can cut and break branches off and stuff like that, but you know, I wouldn't be, you know, chopping down any trees. Yeah, that's something public land managers, you know, I've heard them say this a lot. They're fine with cutting the natural vegetation, but, you know, keep it limited. Like you said, there's deadfall. Try to use that uh, before you're, you know, tearing down habitat and you're destroying wildlife. Yep, yep. Hashtag conservation. Um, Okay, so um, talking about my A-frame that I built. um, So I went to Lowe's or Home Depot. I can't remember which one. And I got those, you know, those yard stakes. Literally, you saw mm-hmm. them. I, I have them out there. Mm-hmm. Same stuff that I use. Um, so the, the, they're the ground stakes. They're about the, I think they're the four and a half foot ones or five foot ones or something like that. And um, I got six of them in a rubber mallet. And then I went and got that green snow fence or that green garden fence. And then cut it into, like, I think it was a 12 or 13 foot segment that I cut it into so that I could have you know, 10 foot of blind and then flaps. And then I zip tied a bunch of ditch grass onto it. And then, so what you do is you roll that up like a wrestling mat mm-hmm. and then, um, ratchet strap it and then roll the other side up, ratchet strap it. And then when you get out there, you put your six stakes in and then you hang, uh, with carabiners, you hang that, that mat of grass mm-hmm. onto one another. And you kind of, you put, put them so that they lean, you put them so that the stakes like lean towards each other. That way, it, it like creates an A frame. So that's the way we do it. Um, you can also buy I mean, the ones like the was it the who, who are the popular A frames? Um, Avian, Avian, Tangle Free, yeah, Tangle Free, and those things not only do they like provide warmth, 
because they've got that interior canvas to cut that wind. Um, but they look like they take about 20 minutes to set up is all. Like, and you're hunting six dudes out of them. It's nice, too, because if you can afford it, if you have one of those buddy heaters or any kind of oh, propane yeah. heater, too, like, there's so much room in those, not so much room, but there's enough room in those A-frame type blinds. You can put a portable heater in there, too, and it just retains the heat. It's awesome. You can't really fit a heater in a layout blind. Yeah, if you use, if you used <laughs> one of those Mr. Heaters in my A-frame, you would be able to see our, our blind from a mile away because of all the smoke and the fire. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, all right, so A-frames. How do we use those? Oh, man. What's the scenarios that we use those? Because I know they're getting – people are swearing by them these days because the birds haven't seen them. Tree and rows. It, you think tree rows? I think that would be – it'd make the most sense. I mean, if you look at nature, it's going vertical. Mm-hmm. So if you just – really, one thing you could do is just put, like, brush and that basically make it look like – little trees branches Mm -hmm. in there because a layout blind in a tree row is not going to be practical because your grasses could potentially be too tall and there's nothing like coming up and hitting your head on that real low line branch (laughs) well if you have that a-frame you'll clear it out you'll be able to set it between two trees and it'll blend and then the shadows will help hide you of the trees and if you are casting a shadow the trees it'll make it look more natural because there's already shadows on the ground from those trees right I think A-frames are a good example of, like, the evolution of waterfowl hunting where things are always changing. Uh, you know, I've got some family members that used to waterfowl hunt back in, like, the 90s, and that's all they hunted was edge rows. But back then, you know, the A-frames didn't exist. They would stand next to trees or uh, they'd make, like, homemade ones even on, like, drainage ditches, you know, filled the grass in the middle of a field. And so, you know, those birds, they kind of got used to people hunting those edges and then they came out with layout blinds, and people were be able to uh, shoot birds in the middle of fields. But all those birds have kind of died off now, uh, either by natural causes or being shot. And you know, these new generation of birds, I think, are kind of catching on to these layout blinds in the middle of fields. And you know, the A-frame blinds are huge now, and people are going back to they're shooting you know piles of geese on fence rows and. Five, six, seven years ago, you couldn't dream of that happening. Yeah, and I think another thing too is is um, at least what I'm seeing and what I've been told is the appeal is that you can stick one of these A-frame blinds out in the middle of a cornfield, and it looks like if you you know put some corn stalks on it, it looks like a section of uncut corn. Yeah. Um, uh, and obviously the wider you can get that, the more A-frames you can set up. And actually, you know, you linked me up with Josh Crosby, who uh, is going to be on the Tales and Tips segment. And he was telling me a story about how they had a um, 24-man front. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was with Central like, Kansas. Yeah, that was. With like eight um, A-frames yeah, all lined crazy. up. <laughs> and he said they, they just killed it because they looked like a row of standing crop. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's um, the like another appeal to it is that you can literally just pop it up out there. But you know, I don't know how confident I would be um, sticking it out there, or anything like that. And I know even with the A-frame that I have used, we couldn't put it up against the pond, beca- or at least this one cattle pond, because it just didn't look natural because there was no other standing vegetation. Even went so far as to put two fake Christmas trees on either side of it to make it look, you know, like a little bit uh, 
um, a little bit more natural, but um, I think we didn't we did not pull nearly as many birds. Um, I think what can help that, and this goes to all blinds in general, is uh, like gradually sloping down your blinds. You know, when you have an A-frame, even layouts, and this just makes a perfect square. Mm. You know, that doesn't look natural, and that's you know why I think having eight A-frames next to each other maybe sometimes looks better than just one. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying you you know you pulled a bunch of extra vegetation and then you stick it in the the ground right next to your blind a little bit further away because instead of actually just sticking it on there. Okay. That's cool. Should we talk about shadows? Yeah. And like, uh, well actually hold on before we get into all that. Um, should we talk about the, what's the in between here? Like, uh, we didn't even talk about fast strikes or anything like that. Uh, as far as a frames. Shoot, I don't really. I guess my homemade A-frames are more like fast strikes, but Derek's got more scoop on the fast strike than I do. I have um, some homemade fast strikes, and it's the appeal behind them is let's say I'm running five miles up this river into an open marsh. There's some stuff around, but I want to be right in the middle of the marsh. Mm-hmm. I can put these fast strikes down, and they're basically almost like two by. Sixes and you put them in the gr- and you put them in there. They have stakes that come down and you put them in the water. Mm-hmm. Well, then they have brush straps on them, so you can put, for example, if I wanted to make it look like reeds, I could put a bunch of reeds in there, and they're so versatile they can be used on water, dry land. So they just collapse. paint a picture for our, our, you know, somebody that maybe has never heard of what a fast strike is. So go ahead. It's like you you stuck uh, like you got like three pieces of wood, right? I made some with, um, I made them into little five foot sections of just, I took a two by six, drilled several holes, ran mm-hmm. bungee through it. It's a two by six with, P- I made mine with PVC. Good ones are made with small metal stakes because they're easier to get into the ground. You put it in the ground, I have two, three, and four foot lengths depending on the height of the water I'm hunting. Okay. And you put them in the water and then you, with these little brush straps, you attach your brush to them. Okay. And it's, um, essentially an A-frame, except the big um, drawback of A-frames is they're for dry land. You can't hunt water. And there's a lot of situations if you're hunting a rather large marsh, you want to be in that water. And a fast strike comes in handy because you can set them. You put them in the water. If you have a backdrop, you put one out. If not, if you're in the middle of nowhere, you can put one in front of you, one behind you. And you're hiding essentially in this little pocket of reeds you have created for yourself. Perfect. Yeah, and I think those are, like, that's the ultimate, like, literally fast strike. Okay. It's kind of like the, you know, <laughs> Kleenex tissue, like, brand. Like, everybody calls, you know, those types of blinds fast strikes when it's just a, uh, I, I don't know. Theirs are made out of some sort of plastic material. Yes, correct? they'd be um, lighter, light. and then they they collapse into, you can buy them by arms, but they collapse real small. I think, if I'm correct, it's four-foot sections, but I could be wrong on that, I think. But they collapse down really small, and then now they come with roof adapters. That it's a forty-five, and you can make it so you have that overhang over your head if you want, which is can be very helpful because if you're working birds and they're circling, they just circle, and all of a sudden they don't show up. Good chance they saw you from behind or from or from straight up above, and those roof adapters can't help prevent that. Those tangle frees have those now too. Those, yes, they do. Yeah. Nice. As always, this episode is brought to you in part by High Prairie Sportsmen, a group of conservation-minded outdoorsmen and women 
We have a lot of great content over on YouTube. Just go search for Hyper Area Sportsman over there and you'll be entertained for hours. And you might even learn something. They're very close friends of the show, and without them, uh, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be possible. Okay, back to the show. All right, should we talk about emplacement of blinds? That's the biggest part. <laughs> you could ask 10 different people and get 10 different answers on this. Yeah, uh, it's the first thing I think about. Where the blind goes. Not where I need to put my spread. Not where, you know. Definitely. Um, it's okay. That's where I think the kill hole is going to be. How do I set up on it? How do I overlook the objective? How do I, like, set myself up uh, so that I'm in shooting range? And then how am I going to orient my friends um, along with me? Yeah, I think too many people, they get so excited, you know, when they get out there to hunt. The first thing they want to do is start pitching out decoys. <laughs> you know, they're, they're all amped up. But the very first thing I do is at least find where the blind's going to be. I like to build it. If I'm in a hurry, maybe I'll just, you know, square out the section that it's going to be. And like you were saying, where's everybody going to be? Not just you, but make sure everybody's going to have a shooting lane and make sure it's safe. Because uh, the last thing you want to do is throw out a bunch of decoys in the formation that you want to put them in, and then you set your blind up and the birds start working and you don't realize that the kill hole is actually, you know, 20 yards to the left. Right. And now you only got one guy in the blind that's able to shoot at birds. Yeah, that's no fun. So, um, Another thing, too, like to look for that is is looking for, you know, we, I think concealment is probably the most important thing next to, you know, having your spread be visible to, like, actually, you know, pull birds or, you know, that. It, and so, like, if it's not exactly where you want to, like, if you're not on the X, okay, let me say this. If you know where the X is, but you can't conceal yourself there, doesn't do you any good. No. So. Um, yeah, don't waste your time. Yeah. You know, if you're not going to be hidden. Yep. I, I think that's important. You can put out 200 decoys if you want, but as soon as those birds see it. It's you just wasted your time putting out a bunch of lawn ornaments essentially at that point, right? Because right. once those birds see a human, they're not going to keep coming in, and they know what's they know the game. They've been around, they've been up and down this flyway multiple times, they've seen a lot. So you have to put that extra effort into placing it correctly with your sun shadows and your wind, and also making sure it is brushed in properly. Okay, talk to me about the shadows thing. What are you talking about? One big thing that waterfowl seem to be able to spot and i'm pretty bad about doing this is shadows creating shadows the best thing to do is it's i find this hard to explain but you don't want to have a great big shadow that when you're looking at it from 200 feet up in the air it's just a great big rectangular shadow Mm -hmm. in something with a bunch of birds around it the there are natural shadows and stuff, and you almost want to play like if you have natural vegetation, you almost want to. Best way to do it is hide your shadows in with it, if at all possible, and even hide yourself in the shadows. Right. And I mean, if that means that you have to cant your your blind thirty degrees off of the the kill hole and have everybody know that like, hey, everyone's shooting over someone that's left shoulder. You know what I mean? Because that's the way that the sun is beating down. And if you orient yourself that way, you have a much smaller shadow, then that's what you have to do. So I don't find that there I have to work with shadows all that much when it comes to layout blinds. No, you're low profile. Yeah. So, you know, it's more definitely more geared towards the A-frame type blinds because they can cast some really big shadows. Yeah, yep. 
And then even your your permanent blinds, you have to know, hey, maybe maybe you're not, you know, maybe you need to brush in behind that thing to backfill that shadow. Yeah, if you're, uh, if you're building a permanent blind, you know, the very first thing I would look at is what time of day do you think you're going to be hunting? Because, you know, if you're hunting in the morning, you know, you got an east rising sun, you don't want to have your blind you know, <laughs> directly on the east side where you're casting a huge square shadow, right? You know, over the kill hole. Yeah, or even worse, having that sun straight in your face. Yeah, exa- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's a big thing with playing with the sun. Um, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be blinded when you're trying to take shots. Yeah, there's times though that I will choose to have the sun at my back and the wind at a disadvantageous, um, for, just because, just for comfort, um, and. You know, if if you're concealed well, um, you know, it creates a little bit of a different shot. I've, some people are probably turning the, the radio down off now and be like, oh, this is blasphemy. You always play the wind. <laughs> but, um, I I mean, I had it uh, where the only time, the only place we could hunt on this small pond, um, the only place we could bust out enough ice to even um, have anything sort of respectable open um, was... I mean, the wind was, like, straight to our um, face. Yeah. Wait, what face? Wind in my face. Because you want the wind in your... Yeah. 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 And so they were, like, coming in, like, right over the top of our heads and, like, boom, shooting them about 15 feet up the top of you. But anyways, I digress. Um, Have we beat the blinds up enough, you think? Um, You can talk about blinds all day. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And even talk about... You know, people are making blinds. One thing I'm going to try to do this off season is a lot of snow goose hunters will take some two by fours and a plywood and find a board to lay on. Well, since I don't have a layout blind and I'm not looking to invest in one, I'm going to try that with burlap and for certain situations. So that way I'm not laying straight back on the ground. I have a little bit of an angle, but I still have that low profile of the layout blind. And for someone who's on a budget, that is a pretty effective cheap way to make yourself a little layout blind Mm -hmm. is it going to be as comfort as a standard style layout blind no is it going to be as heavy no and is it going to in certain situations you might even be able to um, make yourself even more low of a profile and keep yourself closer to the ground and more concealed and easily hidden and you guys sold your layout blinds because you knew that i was buying a new layout blind and already had two didn't you? Oh, I'll still hunt layout blind situations. Like Derek was saying, I, uh, I've, <laughs> I've showed up to some hunts before with buddies, and they have these nice layout blinds, and I'm carrying a piece of you know burlap yeah. rolled up, and they look at me like I'm crazy. But you know, I'm kind of an unconventional hunter, I would say, as it is. But uh, you know, those burlap sheets you can buy in any outdoor store for super cheap, and then you know, I've hunted wheat fields cornfields you can zip tie all that natural vegetation and you're sitting very low yeah yeah that's like there's some fields that are were tilled under <laughs> the layout blind does not look good in that no and instead a just a brown tarp that five dudes hide underneath that gets you know spray painted uh, that can that can work a lot better and you know what use your decoys for oh. blinds too especially field hunting you know silhouettes full bodies Dude, not even cover up in them. Not even field hunting. So every time I hunt, my blind um, is usually covered in some sort of ground decoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's not working that day for some reason, maybe our um, I mean, you can use those as camouflage. 
you know, you you set you set a shell, you zip tie a shell to the foot of your your uh, layout blind. That takes a lot of lot of uh, ease, or it takes a lot of uh, pressure off that bird. Like the you know really think, okay that hump oh well there's a dang bird on it mm-hmm. never mind you know what I mean um, but if that's not working for whatever reason then I put a group of decoys you know uh, twenty yards away from me and that pulls all the attention you know yeah so I completely agree with you I I mean I like I said I'd cover myself up with decoys um, but just to contradict that a little bit also you can go the opposite way with that too um, sometimes people like to have their blinds <clears throat> excuse me set up directly on the kill hole and sometimes especially those late season birds that are getting weary sometimes that just doesn't work you know don't be afraid sometimes to move your blind 20 yards back you might have to take a little bit further of a shot but if you moving your blind 20 yards back so you're not directly on the decoys and maybe they're not looking at you as much means that they're landing in the kill hole then you're probably taking a 30-yard shot anyways, which is an ethical shot. Yeah, and if you're looking at the wind and the way that the birds are going to be coming in, and if you go stand out in that that hole and just imagine yourself being, you know, 12, 15 feet in the air as they're really getting close about that time when they're going to break off, if you look in there, you don't have any earth behind um, your blind, you maybe need to think about, you know, reconsidering how you're going to be hiding. If By having some, um, some back cover um, behind you, it really breaks up your silhouette. Um, they call it like you know, don't silhouette yourself. Mm-hmm. So if that means you have to move down the hill a little bit, then you got to move down the hill a little bit. And to kind of change topic a little bit, you just said you step back a little ways and you look at it. That's another thing that I think would be good to cover is, you know, when you build your blind, don't just build it and look at it from where you're standing. You know, step back thirty, fifty, even a hundred yards mm-hmm. and look at it from a distance and see what it looks like from those birds that are approaching because sometimes things stick out from a distance away that don't stick out when you're right on top of it. Yeah, I got a great story about that, and this was super – this was pretty awesome. Um, when I was hunting in New Mexico on the Big Lakes down there, um, the Big Lakes have these huge hills around them, and you could get up on the hill, and you could literally look down from a bird's-eye perspective yeah. and check out your blind. And that's pretty valuable. Yeah, it's crazy when you do it and you're like, wow, no wonder birds <laughs> yeah. were flaring. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember who posted a video or a picture. They they basically, they took their drone out and they flew it up and looked at their blind. And he was like, man, I thought we were doing such a good job uh, of concealing, but we were not. Um, so, yeah. And yeah. when you're concealing those blinds, remember, if you can see something, those birds have way better eyesight than we do. So if we can see through that blind, you bet they can see through that blind farther. And I think it's an interesting thing to think about, too, is is that it's not only that they see better than you, um, they see differently than you. Yeah. They see on a UV spectrum that you can't see. And so uh, let's say old boy, you know, washed his... Uh, his, his Sitka jacket in, um, you know, tied with, like, you, I don't know, something that did the UV. Um, like, dude, that can pop out on, you know. I've, I've looked through some, some different optics like that, and uh, you can definitely tell the difference between who's um, washing their uniforms properly and who's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just an interesting thing to remember. <laughs> yeah, and if you got that going on, do not waste time. If you see that birds are flaring, and most 
more times than not, it's probably not your decoy spread that's flaring them. Yeah. You know, you may have your decoy spread set up to where they're not landing properly, but they're not going to just solely bounce off of a decoy spread. You know, yeah. Go yeah. back, see if someone in the blind is shining. Let everyone take a turn checking out the blind. And, you know, look for trash, uh, maybe a metal stake that's shining. You know, you got to check everything out. I, I call it the, like, the rule of two is what I call it. So, like, if... Two people in the hunting party think it's the blind that needs that needs our, our concealment. Why not? All right, hey, we got to change it up. Or if you get two um, like real hard flares, you need to evaluate what you're doing. Yeah. One hard flare, eh? Somebody was moving around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or something that bird was not having it. Second time, you need to probably look. If it's a very similar situation, you need to look at. You need to reevaluate what you're doing. Well, what you just said too, moving around, that's, I mean, that's a huge thing. We talked about, you know, keeping your face down, not watching the birds, but also just in general, your movement. If you've built this awesome blind, but you're in there, you know, doing aerobics, you know, those birds are going to flare. Yeah. They, they see, they catch on movement like crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you're pulling up your, uh, you know, your super orange uh, duck call and lanyard, you know, and you're waving that thing around at them, I'm just messing. And when, with the birds flaring... More than likely, it's not, you know, everyone wants to blame the decoy spread and coming back. It's probably you because you are an unnatural thing out there. Yeah. So when you're, we're trying to build these things to trick those birds, some of those birds have been in that. And it's essentially one way I like to look at it and that helps me conceal. You would probably notice if someone came in and put a bush, a bush in your living room. Yeah. I mean, that's just going to be one of those things that... This isn't normal. This isn't right. And some of them resident birds, they're very used to landing in that certain place. And if you're on the X and if something's way off, like you have um, really um, shortcut stubble, all of a sudden someone's popping an A-frame out and they did a really, really bad job of blending it in. They're going to look at that and say, this isn't what we saw yesterday. Sure. Sure. That makes total sense. (laughs) Um, Okay. Here's a question for you. Tegan, I notice you're rocking a beard. Do you rock a beard? Um, we have interview an interview um, in two days, so I had to shave the beard of six years. Oh. First time I've shaved in six years, so hopefully duck season, I can bring it back. We'll have to see. But interviews and becoming a full-grown adult are starting to catch up to me. Yeah, it's hard to be an adult. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... The beard being natural, you know, face paint. Um, do you guys rock face paint? Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I don't like face masks. I don't like things touching my face. So yeah. face paint, and definitely I can grow a beard overnight, luckily. So yeah, there you go. yeah, the, I'm always rocking the bushy beard. For the listeners that are trying to gain a visual picture, I do not rock a, uh, a beard. I keep the clean cut, you know, 16-year-old kid cut, you know, like on the face. Well, that's another thing. I look like I'm 12 when I shave, too. So. Okay, well, maybe the 10-year-old boy face is what I keep, you know, try to keep the uh, the schoolboy look. But, uh, yeah, I I go back and forth on face paint um, because, like, I almost do it out of ceremony or ritual now. Uh, like, oh, heck yeah, man. This is serious. And I'll just take a glob of black goo and just rub it on my face and just like, rah. And, like... You're going to war. It does not look good. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it, like, everybody, you know, I see the upside-down antlers and, like, the, like... Like, it looks like we're going to go play out on Friday night. You know, we've got our 
um, things. And I, I always think that's so funny because, uh, I mean, I mean, part of it might just be looks or tradition. And if you're a person that likes to, you know, in, in on his Instagram photo look presentable, like with or look cool with your design. Hey, man, I'm not knocking you. That's your thing. You do you. Like that is, uh, you know, you're putting on face paint the same way that I are not the same way that I am, but for the same reason mm-hmm. because of ceremony and like feeling connected. Most of the times, I just I got my camo hat and I pull that thing super low, and uh, I'm not peeking. So I in early season I use face mask. Um, I mean face paint. Late season I have this really awesome knit face mask that. Over my face is camo, but it's got a little eye hole, a place for me to breathe, and for me to put my call and everything else that's knit. But if you look at me, you kind of question in what I'm doing out there because it doesn't look it doesn't look like something you'd even wear hunting. But it is the (laughs) warmest mask slash stocking cap I have ever had. And late the late season duck and goose hunts, that thing keeps me toasty. Nice. Yeah, um, the other thing, too, with the face paint is, boy, howdy, does it tick my wife off when we're trying to go, like, out to dinner with some <laughs> friends, and they're like, hey, Ben, what's that? You got some black on your, and then they go to the like, oh, my bad, man, my bad, and then it really makes her mad when I use up all of her makeup wipes to get it off, you know what I mean? Yeah, I usually show up to uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas meals. <laughs> those are acceptable. Smudges. Yeah, those are acceptable. Um, okay, here's a big one. And I am really bad about this. Um, I don't really wear gloves. Cold or whatever, whatever reason. Like, even when it's cold, I'll wear them when we're setting up decoys. Uh, But for the most part, you know, I've got my hands tucked into my my jacket or into my pants or into my waders, I should say. And and I like to, you know, I'm just as bad as anybody. I like to be fiddle farting around on my phone, taking pictures and, um, you know, calling the other hunting party or texting my dad or something like that while we're in the blind but um i don't really wear um gloves is it important for a con- from a concealment standpoint um i think it depends on what situation you're hunting if you're hunting a marsh or uh, like flooded timber when you're not so much using a big cover blind maybe you're just saying natural natural vegetation i think it can make a difference you know the back of your hands shining just the same concept as your face shining um I mean, me personally, I hate gloves. I actually just started wearing gloves this year because I finally found a pair that are comfortable and that I'm able to shoot with. Uh, but even then, I end up pulling them off half the time. Like you said, check the weather, check the wind, texting mm-hmm. people, taking pictures. Um, yep. Yeah, not a big fan. Yeah. I paint the um, back of my hands black if we're in a natural place. I just take – I've recently – I will not buy face paint. I will go buy eyeliner because it does not come off. When it or waterproof <laughs> mascara, because I have been out there and it starts raining and then everything runs and you're like, nope. So did that and ever since then I will say it doesn't come off when you're hunting and unfortunately it doesn't come off that well after. But that is one thing you will not have to worry about. Have to reapply. I'll use it on the back of my hands because. I didn't learn how to call with gloves on, and I'm not going to try to reteach myself how to call when I have gloves. So I just use... You know, the best way to do that is just, I never learned how to call, so... (laughs) 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 But, um, no, uh, yeah, okay, so let's say we've opted out of having, um, you know, a blind. We're going to go, for whatever reason, we're going to go stand in the reeds, 
Uh, we're going to go stand behind a tree, um, or we're going to tuck into, you know, hedgerow, hedge crop. Um, what, what is the most important um, aspect when you're, okay, you know you're not going to be out in a blind. Like, what's, what's the, you know, what's your, what's your get up? What are you wearing? Um, that's probably the only time I think camo is important. I don't buy big into camos just because I like to build blinds with natural vegetation. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be hunting a scenario where you're not going to have a blind, this is more like the hides segment. I think having the right camo is important because obviously you don't want to be wearing a really dark like bottomlands or Sitka timber pattern, you know, in a yellow grass field. Yeah. You know, or around a cattle pond that's yellow bright grass. That doesn't make sense. Right. You're going to stick out like sore thumb. Right. I, I think, you know, a lot of times we pick out camo um, <laughs> for us, not for the ducks. Like, man, that is a good-looking camo pattern. Aesthetics. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, bro. Like, uh, this is the coolest-looking camo ever. Yeah, but does it fit? Like, again, and then you you have to you gotta you gotta play your you gotta play your odds on what you're gonna be uh, hunting in for the most part because I'm, I don't know about you, um, I don't have the money or the resources to buy four different camo jackets. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> no. Definitely not. Nope. 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 But. Um, I would say probably the best bet there is just buy a jacket that's going to be the weight that you need it to be. And then if absolutely necessary, you can get um, some sort of light cover for it. Or heck, go get yourself a burlap bag yeah. um, and spray paint that thing up to how it needs to be. And then, you know, wear that thing. Um, I think probably the most important thing besides your jacket, because that covers a good portion of you, and you've already got your waders, what are you going to do, you know, <laughs> uh, is that headgear. Man, um, do you guys rock the baseball cap, or do you rock the, um, you know, more of a uh, what, what do you call them, beanie? Um, I kind of wear some old school stuff. Oh, <laughs> I got a, I got a couple of hats that uh, were my grandpa's, and then I actually just inherited a nice like '80s old school Drake camo hat. Um, you know, like the blotch, I, I, the blotch camo. Yeah, I kind of like to go like the the hipster woodsman mm, look mm. a little bit. You know, I mean, Tegan's out there posing for uh, <laughs> for some sort of you know hippie. Uh, well, like I said, I usually have a blind or some kind of natural. Right. My my hat usually isn't showing. Okay, you know, or I try to make sure it's not. I've heard, I've heard there's two different camps about baseball caps. Like, yeah, baseball caps are great because it covers. You know, you can create. You know, you can pull it down over your face and uh, whatnot. And then the other one's like, yeah. Uh, well, when I turn my head, that instead of just one little thing moving, I've got this brim that's moving around. That's um, very, you know, visually attractive <laughs> when it comes to emotion standpoint. Um, you know, which is, and then you go the cool guy route. Uh, just turn that thing backwards. But I think normally I usually have my... Um, just a brown Nebraska hat because, like you, I, I, I mostly stay tucked in. I'm not not usually hunting alone and unafraid um, without some concealment yeah. that I'm behind. So, um, yeah. I think one thing to look into, especially for all these uh, budget-friendly listeners, is uh, I actually don't currently own one. I need to get one again. When I was in high school, though, for Christmas, I got a ghillie suit one year. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Yeah. It was awesome. I've seen those um, for when people are hunting in standing crop or in reeds. They've got those, just the head gillar mounts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, you can probably get one of those head Well, heck, you can make one. 
Oh, All yeah. you need is some fishnet and then um, some burlap, and you cut that into strips, and you can either dye it or you can spray paint the different flaps, and then you just fray them real good. Literally, what you just do is you just take it, um, you tie, <laughs> you take your ghillie suit or your, your ghillie hat, tie it up to your the hitch of your truck, and drag that thing down the dirt road for, you know, 10 miles. You probably know this better than me. What, what's the name, like, the band around the cowboy hat? Is there a certain name for that? Hat band? The hat, okay. I saw a guy on Instagram this year who wore a black wool or felt cowboy hat hunting, and he shoved grass into the hat band. Oh. Well, did he kill ducks? I mean, he had ducks in his pictures. <laughs> he looks cool, at least. Works for me, man. Works for me. I thought it was kind of funny, but I was like, hey, man, do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think some, some key touch points on this is is that Stay down, stay tight, don't be moving, don't be looking around. Um, when the birds are facing away, maybe, you know, maybe the guy that's controlling the situation can, hey, you can go ahead and take a look. And then when they, you know, everybody's always familiar with the, hey, birds, 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 you know, like, get out, get out, get out. And then what is, what is everybody's faces doing? Mm-hmm. Everyone's faces is popping up. Because <laughs> we're all like the alpha, alpha guy in the blind, right? Yeah. You know. How much time we got? There's one thing that I think. Go ahead, man. One thing I think is really important to touch on is uh, when you're preparing to hunt out of your blind, is kind of knowing what you're going to be doing during the hunt. Uh, Particularly, what I'm talking about is I love to use a jerk rig. Oh yeah. And I love to use a goose flag, and so you know, practice using that stuff out of your blind, or. Make that one of the key things you focus on when you're first building your blind. You know, I, I'm totally, even though I use a jerk rig, for some reason, I'm guilty of getting in a hurry sometimes, and I build the blind, and then I forget to make a hole or at least run the jerk cord through. Right. And then here comes the hunt, and birds are coming, you know, right at break of day, and I'm trying to pull this jerk rig, and I'm knocking grass over, or I'm causing a mess, I'm causing noise. Yeah. You know, you got to be prepared for that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then another thing, too, um, talking about concealment, I think it's important to talk about your jerk rig. It's not natural to have this black line running yeah. through the water. Like, how do you how do you conceal your line underneath the water? Um, I I take a stake. I take a little tent stake that I bought at Walmart, uh-huh. and right on the edge of the shore, I will hammer that down, and so the cord still moves just fine, but it keeps it low profile. And usually, okay. it's down in grass or down in water. Mm-hmm. Um, the few times I don't do that is when I'm hunting a sandy edge. Uh, sometimes I just, I just can't. Like, sometimes it just, you know, on a riverbank or a sandbar, it sticks out. I don't think the birds mind it too much. Um, But anytime I can cover it, I definitely try to. Or at least keep it low profile. All right. How far, I think this goes along with concealment, how far do you park the truck away? Oh, yeah, no, that's (laughs) definitely important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially late season, I've noticed... uh, all situations, but especially field hunting, um, I'll take the truck, and I'm always the first volunteer because I don't mind it. Yeah. I'll park it half a mile away. Oh, yeah. And I'll jog <laughs> back to the uh, Yeah, half a mile or, you know, a couple terrain features, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I try to hide it next yep. to some tree lines or... Yeah, because, uh, you know, what's... If you're if you're a goose or you're a duck um, that's, you know, coming down the flyway, What's I think that's a, an important thing is is I mean how far away is a hunter's truck normally I would av- I would say the average is probably 150 yards mm-hmm. is from from the point where they're shooting their truck is 150 to 300 yards maybe you know um, just because we're all lazy <laughs> we do everything right but then we park the truck 300 yards away 
Um, and then I would, and I would assume that that starts to become a, you know, a flag. Um, however, um, there's a lot of vehicles out there. Not every vehicle can represent a threat, but I'm pretty sure, you know, birds are starting to recognize Chevys. And yeah. <laughs> a lot of it's too natural. Like, for example, if you've got an oil well in there, they're probably used to people popping out 300 yards away working on that, that pumping unit or that drilling unit. So there's going to be vehicles and people going in and out all the time. Uh, farmers, if they've got, let's say there's a pasture right by, there's broken down vehicles in there if you can, and you go park it by there. Are they going to notice the extra vehicle all of a sudden there? Because every time they fly by, there's usually stuff over there. It's. I think the coolest thing I've seen was it was actually up here in, on the Kansas River, that spot that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. I was walking along the bank. I was like, hey, man, this would be a pretty sweet spot to set up a blind. There was an old car that was like, old Chevy that was like into the bank. Yeah. Um, and I looked there and there were shells in the bottom of the, you know. I've hunted out of those before. Yeah. And you just sit in the car and you shoot out of the shell, you know. Yeah, back in the day, farmers used to take really old cars and they would line them up on banks and they would either use them to dam up water or mm-hmm. to, you know, prevent erosion yeah. on the sides of like rivers. Yeah. And that's just another thing. you got to be creative in your in your concealment efforts. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think the vehicle's a big – it's a big thing, especially throughout the season. You know, birds start picking up on stuff. They're not stupid. When they've been getting shot at field after field when there's a bright truck sticking out, even if it's 200 yards away, whereas when they see the natural, actual live birds feeding in fields, there's no vehicles there. Yeah. So they start – you know, putting that together, oh, every time I see this truck nearby, I'm getting shot at. They're not going there. Um, I had a hunt this past year, and it was on a pond, actually. It was, wasn't was even in a field, and the birds were just flaring. I couldn't figure it out, and they were flying around my truck. Like, when they would come to the water, they would pass by, and, oh. I mean, it was parked, like, 200 yards away, too, and, you know, I was like, no way. Like, come on. Well, I just went ahead and tested it out. I had my wife come and she took my truck and she left i shot a limit she came back and picked me up oh man your wife is like way more into hunting than mine is (laughs) my wife (laughs) was telling me (laughs) (laughs) click she did shoot some birds this year though oh nice nice um i want to say that i think the the out of we just talked about all this right but i think the thing that probably flares more birds in north america is that dang monster can sticking that fell out of the blind. Yeah. Like, watch your trash. You know what I mean? Yeah, pick up your stuff. Your spent shells. I'm huge on those red Winchester shells. Oh, they'll pick them up. (laughs) 20 of those hanging around your blind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I'm big on is if I see shine through that blind, if I see something shiny coming through that blind, you know the birds are going to see that. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, I'm really weird about shiny things. No matter what kind of hunt I'm doing, if there's something really shiny coming out, Nope, I don't care. I took my Stanley Thermos one day, spray-painted the entire thing green, and went out hunting with it because I was getting mad because it was just shine, 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 shine. Yep, yep. Um, should we talk about concealing dogs at all? Yeah, that was actually the next thing. I was, yeah, Go ahead. You guys hunt with dogs? Um, I have been known to take my yellow lab out, mm-hmm. and usually I just take the top half of her... Um, kennel apart and I'll set that right next to my layout blind and I'll brush that in just along with it she hangs out in there because not very many situations other than a like a sandbar where she you know blends in yeah 
Yeah, that's another thing you need to be prepared for, you know, as, along with the flags and the jerk rigs, you know, knowing where's your dog going to hide, um, but also how are they going to see birds dropping? You know, they, they need to see what's going on, but they also need to be hidden. So there's a happy medium there. Um, and, you know, you can buy dog blinds. They're not cheap, though. I don't plan on buying one. Um, I was asking Wade about this, you know, because he hunts out of A-frames a lot. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do, you, what do you do with your dog? He said that he just lets the head hang out. You know, you got those sides that buckle together yeah. on the A-frame. They'll leave, like, the middle one unbuckled or, you know, make a little gap. And the, the dog will keep his entire body hidden but hang his head out. And, Are you talking about, like, out of the side of the A-frame? Yeah, out of the side. Yeah, in which... I'm surprised they don't have... The A-frames don't have some sort of flap that you can... Or, like... The new Dakota blinds, they have a special dog door. The Dakota, uh-huh. the X-Series, they're making uh, their version of the A-Frame. And I've seen it on the video on YouTube. They're supposed to be released this summer, but they have a special flap that you send the dog out of. You know, Derek, you sure do know a lot about these uh, new blinds and stuff for being, uh, you know, not owning any of them. Oh, this guy follows it. <laughs> I, it's really, it's. I like to look, but then I just sit there and like, oh yeah, this would be nice to look at my bank account. <laughs> That'll be nice one day. So, like, I've got, I've had to get creative on making some of that stuff and saving yeah. myself money. But I've looked at a lot of those, and it really brainstorms ideas for how you can just look at these blinds and get dimensions and figure out you can even ma- make a homemade one that's going to suit your personal needs best. Better, yes. That's my number one like advice to people uh, starting off is yes, you can go buy these in place homemade th- or these in place things that are. <laughs> You know, they're awesome. They literally are like a dream of having every single one of these things on, on Derek's, you know, hit list that he's got. Um, but you know what? Now's not the time for you. You're cutting your teeth. You're still acquiring decoys, knowledge, and um, yeah, still just trying to, you know, I think your, your money is probably better spent um, trying to get a lease <laughs> or um, on decoys. And when you can make these other things for, you know, I mean, you'll you'll spend a lot of money making stuff because it'll break. But it's, some, there's something to be said about killing some birds out of a blind that was, you know, conceived in your brain, pulled out of your bank account, and built by your hands. You know what I mean? One of my most memorable hunts, we had mallards just all over late season. It was our second split. Mallards were weary, weary. We all spray-painted bright green buckets. We spray-painted them. We took burlap, and we just used the buckets as a backrest so we didn't have to lay flat on our back so it wasn't quite as uncomfortable. Zip-tied some grass to burlap, and with those buckets, we could still be at an elevated enough angle to, using the corner of his, corners of our eyes, see what was going on. So that's where I got the idea for seeing those snow goose boards making that i mean that's something that you can do you can do really well on a budget and burlap's inexpensive and if you make one of those boards it's it's wood i mean eventually it's going to rot out but you can get at least two three seasons out of more than likely 20 bucks yeah yeah absolutely we talked earlier about uh you know shadows there's positive shadows too you know especially Mm. like timber hunting or bank hunting you know i hunt rivers a lot and there's sometimes where if I can hunt on the back side of the direction of the sun, I won't do anything. I You'll will literally lay, lay against shadow. the bank, yeah, in the dark shadow, especially early morning yeah. hunts. Oh, absolutely. That's that's a, that's definite 
advantage to having some some tall stuff behind you. Mm-hmm. So you can tuck in behind those natural shadows already, and you don't have to work nearly as hard at concealment. And there's a reason then, boys down in Arkansas, if you ever look at them, yeah, they're standing behind a tree, but there's one side of those trees, if you ever watch those videos, it's just sunny. They're never in that sunny side. They are always in that shaded side and mm-hmm. that dark side, and that's why a lot of them, they're wearing a green or a brown jacket because it's dark. They are behind a tree, but it's dark, so they're just blending in, and they just look like part of that tree due to the shadows that they are playing a part. Yep. Yep. Well, boys, should we wrap this thing up? Yeah, I think we covered some pretty good stuff. All right. Tegan, what's your main takeaway from today that you want the listeners to know? Uh, Be prepared. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, don't just show up to a spot blind. You know, know where the sun's going to be coming from, where the wind's going to be coming from also. Um, You know, knowing are you going to be using a jerk rig, you got a dog with you. What's the vegetation look like? Uh, You know, you don't want to be carrying out fallen limbs in grass. Um, you know, be prepared beforehand. Come up with the game plan before you get out there. There, control your movement because, like, you can do a lot of things to prevent your movement. But if those birds are overhead and you're sitting there moving your head side to side, they're going to catch that. So brush in your blinds. Make sure you're well hidden. But at the end of the day, you need to control that movement because when those the closer those ducks get, the harder they're looking for you, and the more easily they will be able to see you if you're moving and you're trying to look around look at them, they're going to catch that. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, guys. I truly do appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we'll be hearing a lot more from you guys in the future. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great-great-grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us... Uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners so all right stay safe out there and we will see you next week Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither, but hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs>
Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.